Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the Medics Money podcast. I'm here once again with my Medics Money co-founder. Hi, guys. Dr. Ed Cantelay, GP, also Chartered Accountant and Chartered Tax Advisor. And I thought what we would cover today is tips for the new F1 doctors, because we're recording this at the end of August. So um, all the new F1s started at the uh, beginning of August. So we're going to give you 10 uh, top tips for F1s. But they also, to be honest, apply to a lot of other doctors as well. Um, Before we get into that, Ed, I thought we should just talk about the fact that we are once again in the Medics Money podcast studio. Now, if you're worried that the amazing success that we've had uh, with Medics Money, approaching 20,000 email subscribers now. Um, so thanks so much for everyone that's sharing it. Um, but if you're worried that being in a podcast studio sounds like we've hit the big time, maybe you should describe the reality of our podcast studio for everyone listening, Ed. Yeah, so we're basically in um, Tommy's uh, lovely garage at the moment, um, lovely windowless garage. Um, with um, uh, We're using Tommy's surfboard as our table, which is propped up against a, a stepladder and a bench. Um, with our laptops both on the on the, the surfboard, so it's a lovely office. Acoustically, it's the best room in my house. I am sat on a squeaky chair, which I'm really trying not to move so it doesn't pick up. But yeah, so we've definitely, you know, when you left your job at PwC, one of the most prestigious accounting firms in the country, did you ever think that you would end up recording podcasts in a garage full of surfboards and sweaty wetsuits? Uh, no, I didn't, know, to be quite honest. You know, I've gone from working on the on the Strand in, in, in London to uh, to here, but, you know, happy to be here. I think my neighbor sounds like he's mowing his lawn as well, but hopefully that's not impacting. Okay, so um, we're helping F1s with their money. And this is something which we know uh, you don't get taught at medical school. And uh, sorry to keep plugging our ebook, but it's called What Medical School Didn't Teach Us About Money. And it's free and you can download it at medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. So we're going to cover a lot of topics today quite quickly. Uh, but if you want an overall where to start guide, that is it. Um, over 10,000 downloads in the last uh, 40 days. So it's uh, proven quite popular. So um, let's talk about your F1. How many years ago since you were F1? Um, so I started uh, five years ago. Uh, yeah, 2015. Um, yeah, I was at the, the Royal Surrey in Guildford. Um, I remember being quite excited about starting as, a, as an F1, but also, be, to be honest, completely petrified. Um in uh, in Guildford, the F1s do do night shifts and look after the medical or surgical wards. So that was quite a scary prospect. Um, and also, I remember being absolutely awful at, at cannulating. That was one abiding memory <laughs> of being an F1. But absolutely terrible at it uh, until you know, towards the end, I kind of got better at it um, into my F2. But um, but no, I, I really enjoyed F1. It's so you know you feel part of a team. You can someone's actually know your name. Um, and uh, I made some good friends there. So uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, I really enjoyed my F1 year. It's a good yep. time. Um, it's, it's really hard. It's really full on. And it might seem like worrying about your finances is not necessary, which is why we've recorded this towards the end of August, because for the first sort of four to six weeks, you just got to get your head around the job. Uh, but I wouldn't leave it any longer than that before starting to think about your finances. Um, it's over 12 years since I did my F1. Wow. 
Um, so it's showing my age and um, yeah, similar memories. I did my F1 in Jersey actually. Um, and the main reason was that it was the highest paid F1 job in the country. And I had a tremendous amount of debt. Uh, so I just needed uh, the most money I could get. Uh, but it turned out to be amazing. So actually it wasn't the highest paid, but it was the highest if you combined all the benefits. So we got preferential tax rates in the Channel Islands. Yes. We got a 15% bonus on our salary just for going to Jersey because it was seen as like a hardship. I didn't see it that way at all. Um, and we also got heavily subsidized accommodation. So I had a nice little flat in the middle of St. Helier in Jersey. I think I paid about £700 a year, including all the bills wow. for the year. Okay, yeah. that's impressive. And on the commercial market in Jersey, that was like two or three grand a month. So, yep, um, I went there to try to dig myself out of the £85,000 debt hole that I was in, and it turned out amazing. So, yeah, nobody would teach you about money in your F1, or very few. Um, so we thought we'd go um, over 10 quick tips to help you with your money. So, Ed, do you want to kick us off with tip number one? Uh, yep, absolutely. So... Um... This may seem, um, you know, fairly fairly obvious, so I, I apologise. But the first um, piece of advice, or the first top tip for, for you guys, is to definitely keep all the documents that you receive regarding your pay, your pension, anything else like that. Okay, so it's one of those sort of things you think, well, yeah, of course I'm going to do that. Um, but then you'll get to the end of the year and you think, oh, actually, I've completely forgotten to do that. Um, so try and get into the habit when you get your pay slip of, of saving them somewhere. Okay, so. Um, most trusts nowadays have given up the days of posting payslips. Um, when I was an F1 and F2 and beyond, they um, used to post payslips and they would end up in their doctor's mess and then nobody would ever collect them. They just big piles of them everywhere. Um, nowadays, most trusts have something called the electronic staff record. So as soon as you can, get onto that, okay? That will give you all your payslips as a PDF. Uh, make sure you keep every one of them, okay? Because it's really vital to check what your pay is doing, uh, what your um, tax codes are doing, and I'll come on to what that means in, in a second for those that don't know. Um, and also, at the end of uh, the tax year, so I'm sure most of you know this, but the tax year in the UK always ends on the 5th of April. So after the 5th of April, when it hits uh, around May time, your employer, your whoever employs you as an F1, will have to send you a P60, okay, which is a really important form for tax purposes. It gives a summary of all your income, a summary of your student loans, a summary of your pension payments, and so on, okay? So really try and get into habit of trying to keep those documents, because down the line, you're probably going to need them, or people will ask for them, and you'll probably look back and think, oh, drats, why didn't I actually save those somewhere? Um, the other important document to keep is something called your total reward statement, okay? Now, it's your F1s, it's a little bit early in your career to be thinking about pensions in some ways, but in others it's, you know, it's never too early to start thinking about your pension, okay? Uh, and the total reward statement, which you can find on the electronic staff record, that gives you your, um, what's called your pensionable earning statement, and also the current value of your pensions, pensionable earnings, and your pension earned each year, okay? So it's really important to just keep saving that, keep saving those documents, because one day down the line, they're going to become important, okay? So just a really simple point, just any documents to do a pay, pay slips, your P60, your um, uh, your total reward statements, just, just save them somewhere, okay? You, you know, you, you'll thank me in the end. Definitely. Um, when I was in F1, we still had paper pay slips and they were just like sent randomly to your pigeonhole and constantly oh, yeah. tracking them down was a nightmare. But the electronic staff record, uh, it's a really nice bit of stuff. So Yeah, it's really, really helpful because yeah. I mean, they'd always go missing. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. 
Okay, good. First tip, number one, done. Uh, the second tip, I already alluded to this in the introduction, a subject close to my own heart because I graduated with £85,000 of med medical student debt. I came from humble beginnings and didn't have any financial support. So you are most likely going to have a lot of debt and debt is not a bad thing, um, but it needs to be managed well. Um, so the other thing to say is that what, everything we're saying today is not advice. Uh, although Ed's an accountant, this is for information only, and I have no financial qualifications whatsoever. But you should probably think about paying off your highest interest rate debt first. So if you've got credit cards left over from uh, university, chances are they are at a higher interest rate than your student loan. Um, so pay off your highest interest rate debt first is my number one tip. In terms of paying down debt, if you've got a lot, um, it's going to be painful to pay it off, but you need to get it paid down. Pay yourself first is something we talk about in the ebook, but essentially it's quite a simple concept. You set aside each month uh, a set amount, which you filter off uh, before you even touch your wages into a separate account. Uh, and then you never see the money. You don't get used to spending it. And it's a super efficient way to pay off debt automatically. So saving money automatically is always good. Uh, and paying yourself first uh, is a way to ease that pain. And going forward, I think that gives you a great advantage because now I've paid off all my debt. I'm so used to living frugally that I save up so much money every month and then I invest it. And I, I'm you know, heading towards financial freedom, which is a topic for another day. But just get that debt uh, under control. And the final thing I want to say about debt and student loans is student loans have changed a lot since my time because I'm old. Uh, when I had a student loan, it was really good debt and the interest rate was incredibly competitive. So I paid it off really slowly. Now you'll hear um, gurus like um, I think Money Saving Expert has an article on this basically saying that student loan should be considered a tax because after 30 years from the April after you graduate, the debt is wiped. So the reality for a lot of people is that they may never pay off their student loan. So it is effectively another tax. Um, but if you're going to earn a high salary in future, then you could be one of the people that will eventually end up paying off that loan. And so... The advice is not to pay it off early from the gurus. That may not be correct for doctors because eventually you'll be earning a decent wage. So you need to run your own calculations on this and work out if you should pay off your debt first, uh, your student loan, uh, because it's not straightforward. And the, the simple guru advice may not apply to you. Um, and then, you know, also it's difficult to weigh up um, should you pay off the debt or should you save for a house deposit? And then you've got something called opportunity costs. So I've waffled a bit there because debt is a subject quite, you know, that I quite into because I've had a lot of it. But I think my summaries are pay off your high interest rate debt first. Think about whether or not you should pay down your student loan, live frugally and pay yourself first. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, paying off debt is basically... You know, the equivalent of saving in its own way, isn't it? You're, you're reducing your debt, you're increasing your the amount you've actually got um, each month. It's um, really, really important to to not uh, waste money on, on interest payments if you can help it. Absolutely. Definitely. So really important. Um, excellent. Okay, good stuff. Well, um, let's talk about um, another kind of um, sort of tax tip. Um, and that is... Um, if any of you guys have listened to any of the other podcasts that I've I've been on, um, I know I mention this quite a lot, but there's something out there um, called the the personal tax account. Okay, and that's something that um, every single taxpayer and all you guys will be taxpayers. Every single taxpayer in the UK can set up via the HMRC um, website. Okay, um, if you want to know how to do it, um, it's very simple. You can just go to our, our website, um, medicsmoney.co.uk, and download a free step by step guide to set up this personal tax account. 
And it's really important. And I know I keep, you know, banging on about it, but it's really, uh, really vital. It's a really vital resource, okay? Because what it does is it tells you what HMRC, what information they have about you in terms of your income that they expect you'll get in, which jobs you're going to be working. And that's really important because it's not uncommon for them to actually um, sometimes think you're working different jobs, which is very strange, I, I appreciate. But um, if you work you know, for let's say the Royal Siren Guildford and you locate them elsewhere, they often think you've got two full-blown full jobs and tax you accordingly. So keep an eye on that sort of thing, okay? Um, they also give you an estimate of how much income tax they think you're going to pay. So have a look at that. That might help you with kind of budgeting and, and what, you, what um, you know payments they expect you to make. And also on that, you can check your tax code, okay? And I'm going to come on to that separately as my third point, but the tax code is, is a really important thing to keep looking at, okay? Um, your you know, F1s at the moment. Um, so your tax code should be fairly simple, um, but that will get increasingly more complicated, okay? So um, if you do one thing after this podcast for my sort of top tips, um, go and set up that personal tax account. And as I say, you can just go to the our website, uh, medicsmoney.co.uk uh, and download a free guide to do that. It's all free, step-by-step. Step. Just, just do it now, okay? Uh, and again, really useful resource for the future. All right. Sounds like that's your one tip and takeaway. And yeah, my one definitely. tip takeaway is to download our ebook, uh, medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook. It's free and it basically walks you through all of this step by step. Um, and it's called What Medical School Didn't Teach Us About Money. Okay, that's a really good tip, mate. That one, definitely the personal tax account. Um, again, you know, from my own experiences, you know, you've just qualified as the doctor. You might be thinking you've hit the big time income wise. Let's go out, buy a Porsche and a mansion. Um, the reality of our wages is that they are pretty low as an F1 and, um, you know, probably not getting better across the board, but that's a topic for another day. So all the time that you have student debt, you need to keep your spending habits like you are a student. Okay. I.e. frugally. Okay. So you know, small things like not buying lunch in hospital every day or not buying coffee at Costa every day. Um, don't get a car on finance. You know, you're not going to be taking five star hotel trips uh, all the time you have student debt. And in the ebook, we run an example of um, a cardiology registrar who contacted us at Medics Money. She was spending £200 a month, so about six or eight pounds a day on lunch at the hospital. And if you work that out over a 30-year career, you would save about £59,000. But if you can invest that uh, and compound it at about 5%, then actually that becomes £139,000. So um, you might not have got into hospital food yet, uh, but I can tell you after 12 years experience of it, I've never had a hospital lunch that was worth £139,000. You, Ed? Uh, no, probably not. Not Probably not that value. Yeah. Um, um, usually fairly average food. Yeah, yeah. Normally quite cold. Yeah. Okay. So keep spending like you're a student until you paid pay down the debt at least. Um, and Ed, you mentioned tax codes already. Uh, this is your next tip. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you probably guessed by now, guys, that I'm going through the more sort of tax side of things and Tommy's going through more the kind of financial side of things. Um, so on that note, um, yeah, tax code. So again, we've um, recorded a podcast on this. So you might want to check that out as well to find out more about what tax codes are and um, what, why they're so important. Um, keeping it brief, you know, your, your tax code is basically calculated by um, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, HMRC for short, uh, and then issued to your the trust that employs you, okay? And the purpose of that tax code is to tell your trust um, how many allowances or reliefs or so on that you're entitled to, okay? And they use that to then work out how much income tax you pay on that payslip every month, okay? And as I say, I won't go into tax codes too much because we've got 
excellent resources on our website about them. We've done a podcast solely devoted to them. But they're really important if you think about it. That's um, the way in which the government is collecting tax off you. Okay, so if that's wrong, um, you're going to be over, you're going to be almost only overpaying tax. Okay, um, so it's really important to get your pay slips, get your P60s, um, which is again as a summary for your tax year, um, and check what your tax code is. Okay, you can also find that out on that personal tax account. Okay, and if it's wrong. You can use that personal tax account to change it. Okay. Now, for the minute, it's almost only going to be right. Okay. You only just started out. Um, you know, most likely right now, your payslip will have the right tax code when you when you get your first payslip, which you might have done already actually in, in August. Um, but the big issue for F ones is the following. Okay. So the tax year ends in April. Fine. In August, you will then almost certainly, not all of you, but almost certainly move on to another um, another trust. So I went from Guildford as, as F1 to St. Richard's in Chichester as an F2. And what happens with that is you get your first, you get a payslip from, let's say, Guildford or your F1 job um, in August, because you'd have worked a few days in August. Uh, but you'd also get a second payslip from your F2 trust if it's different, okay? The issue there is that HMRC will begin to think that you're working two jobs in August and that will continue. So if you do nothing, there's a very, very good chance that when you get your first pay slip as an F2, um, you're gonna be on the wrong tax code and you're gonna be massively overpaying tax, okay? So my top tip here, um, other than just keep checking your tax code to make sure it's right and go into our resources, which are all free, is to, when you get your pay slip in F2, I know it's a little while, a while away now, you only just started F1, but when you're in F2, Check that pace, first pay slip and see what your tax code is doing because I bet you it's almost only going to be wrong. Yeah, and if you uh, did an F1 in Jersey like me and then transfer to a different tax jurisdiction in your F2 year, so I went to Bournemouth, uh, that was tax and pension mayhem, basically, because mm. um, they had me down as working part-time for my pension and everything went wrong. So, And if I hadn't have noticed that, um, then I would have been in big trouble. So, yeah. you know, it's I, really important. Yeah, I think my pay kind of, I don't know, I'm pretty exaggerating a little bit, almost like halved from Guildford as an F1 to um, St. Richard's as an F2 because they just, they just taxed me so much. It was so heavy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well worth looking out for. Definitely. Um, and all of this is stuff that you can do yourself. You do not need an accountant to help you out with this. No, um, you know, all the information on our website, your tax code blog is one of our most popular tax code blogs. And it's step by step and it's, it's really nice. So you do not need an accountant for this. Uh, just if you can start to manage your own financial affairs, that is a great feeling. Uh, okay, the next tip for me is just be aware of what you should be being paid and the terms and conditions of your contract. Now, this might sound really, really dull uh, and to a certain extent it is, but Making sure that you've got your contract right and your pay right and your terms and conditions right is vital. And it's really, really complicated. And since the new contracts come in, I mean, it is really complicated. So um, the BMA get some stick, uh, but this is a service that they offer, which I think is, you know, almost worth the um, subscription fee, I would yeah, say. It is good. Yeah, it is good. So they ha they have loads of information on there. Uh, about your paying contracts. Um, so definitely check that out just to make sure that you're on the right um, paying contract. Again, going back to my F1, turned out we were on a slightly wrong contract and somebody who I was working with was really active in the BMA, sorted it out and we got a massive chunk of money back. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was about two grand each. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, keep an eye on your contracts. Is this a good time to drop in our now legendary 
tax trivia section. <laughs> um, yeah, that sounds like a good, good plan. I just want to add one thing to what you just said, though, uh, apart from the fact that I also used the BMA to get lots of money back as an F1 because my contract was, was wrong, um, is... Uh, the payslip is really thoroughly confusing, um, quite frankly. It's broken into so many different segments. Um, and we do actually have a, a blog on our website which goes through what that payslip's doing, basically, because you'll probably get it, your first payslip, and think, what on earth's going on here? Um, so we do actually have a, a blog on our website um, which will go through um, what that payslip is showing. Um, Good point. But, um, yeah, I mean, tax trivia. Um, I never know how interested people are in these, but uh, I like to throw them in every now and the again. The feedback just to, is uh, that people are really interested in oh, really? it. Oh, it's okay. so niche and so random. <laughs> it, is, um, it is a bit random. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So today's tax trivia hit us yeah. with it. Yeah. So um, I thought, you know, we'll move, you know, most of my tax trivia is about the, uh, about income tax. Um, I thought I'd just give you a little bit of um, some tax trivia on um, some VAT related information. So VAT, I'm sure you're all aware, is, is sales tax. Um, the government adds 20% onto various different products. Sometimes, they don't add any VAT, but a lot of goods, you know, they'll add 20% onto the sales price, um, which you then pay. Uh, obviously affects all of us. And, um, you know, there are some cases out there where things get quite, um, you know, confusing in terms of VAT. So I might just mention mention one of them just because it's so um, famous in, in, in tax circles. Um, it's got legendary status at the moment, and that's actually related randomly to uh, to Jaffa Cakes. Um, when accountants go on a night out, is this the kind of banter that you would have about Jaffa Cakes and stuff? Um it's that sort of level, yeah. Cool. I mean, you know, so you know, the best night for an accountant is when you know on budget day. That's that gets everyone there excited. That's Amazing, definitely a talker in, in the pub. Go on, tell um, us about Jaffa cakes. Yeah, so Jaffa cakes. So, um, you know, the rules of VAT are exceptionally complicated. I'm not going to go into them now, obviously, but um, quite strangely, if you um, if you buy um, a, a biscuit, if you buy a chocolate covered biscuit, you have to pay twenty percent uh, extra on that. You have to pay VAT on that. Um, but for some unknown reason, chocolate-covered cakes are considered essential foods, and therefore you don't have to pay VAT. So there's a huge um, court case in '91 uh, where McVitie's um, took uh, the VAT tribunal. Oh, sorry, went to a VAT tribunal to HMRC to court regarding their Jaffa cakes because their claim was, as the name suggests, that they're cakes. Whereas HMRC said, well, no, they're they're definitely biscuits because you know they're the same size, the same shape. They're eating instead of biscuits. Uh, and McVitie's, um, yeah, they, they took a, a massive um, Jaffa cake to court to prove that it was actually a cake for the the, the tribunal to, tr- to try. Uh, and, they, and they won their case. So, you know, Jaffa cakes um, automatically went down quite a lot in price. I think the VAT rate at that point was, um, I think, 17.5% at that time. Um, you know, it's a big price decrease in Jaffa cakes that day, all because they could claim that Jaffa cakes are actually cakes and not, and not biscuits. So there you go. You often find Jaffa cakes in the biscuit aisle, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, but you- yeah, you do. There's lots of reasons why you can argue that they're um, they are actually basically biscuits, but um, but nope, we're not allowed to call them biscuits. They are Jaffa cakes. But of course, you've just listened to my bit about spending like a student and keeping it frugal. So there's absolutely no way you're going to be buying a brand name like Jaffa cakes. You're going to be buying the Tesco's own ones, which will be something called like chocolate covered orange cakes instead they taste exactly the same they're like a third of the price you can put that money you saved into paying down debt making an investment and doing something good with it so and not paying any vat and not paying any vat biscuits there would be vat which would be scandalous (laughs) okay that's the end of today's tax trivia if you've got (laughs) any like requests for tax trivia um then just uh send us a message um you'll do requests for trivia right yeah yeah definitely absolutely okay i love it so uh, carry on the more the merrier really um 
Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so um, you know, continuing on the on the the tax front, but more a more relevant tax to you guys, so in- income tax on your your employment earnings. Um, the next thing is related to professional expenses. Okay, so again, we've done a podcast solely dedicated to this, and there's loads of stuff on our um, on our website about it, and I'll come on to a really important resource in a second about um, professional expenses. But most of them are tax deductible against your employment earnings, okay? So any fees that you um, incur when you pay the GMC, when you pay um, your medical defense union or medical protection society, if you pay the BMA, um, you probably won't be paying any Royal Colleges at this point in time, um, but later on down the line, they're also um, tax deductible against your earnings, okay? So my advice for this is, first of all, keep any payment that you make to these bodies, keep them somewhere safe, okay? They'll, They'll email you a receipt, um, try and keep them uh, in a folder with your pay slips, okay? Because you'll one day down the line think, oh gosh, how much did I pay the GMC? Oh, I can't remember. Um, so it will save you time later on. So keep any receipts you get from these bodies, okay? Um, or, or put them into a spreadsheet, but keep the receipts as probably best, okay? So because all those are going to be deductible against tax and that will really start to rack up those tax savings. Um, when, you, when the time comes, so when the tax year ends, you can make a claim uh, for those expenses to get that tax back, okay? Um, so you, you claim based on a tax year, okay? So for you guys, you started in August, um, your first tax year that you'll ever work um, is this tax year right now. So the 2020 all the way to 5th of August, 2021 tax year, okay? So as soon as that tax year is done, uh, you can make a claim for your professional expenses incurred between August and April, okay? So you've pay, if you paid the GMC, if you paid the BMA, et cetera, et cetera, you can claim a tax back on that on those um, amounts, okay? Um, so that could save you up to 40%, potentially as as if one's, because you're working a abbreviated tax year from August to April, it may save you 20% tax, but actually that's still, you know, better than nothing. And as you move into F2 and beyond, that's just gonna go up and up and up, okay? So keep those receipts, you'll, you'll thank me again later on. Uh, and when the time comes, when you feel like you're ready to, to make a, um, a a claim to get the, get the tax back on those expenses, Go to our website, um, medicsmoney.co.uk. We have a free step-by-step guide that leads you through how to make that claim, okay? It's via the personal tax account. Uh, Again, a fantastic resource. Go and set one up today. Um, You can make the claim via there, okay? So um, when the time comes, download our guide, free step-by-step, okay? You don't need an accountant for this. You just need to um, download that guide and and work your way through it, and that will save you pound sign, pound sign in tax on your expenses. Yeah, I think we worked out that the average GP trainee that um, runs through and doesn't fail an exam saves £2,345. Yeah, um, it's a lot. And because also, um, you know, you can claim for down the line for exam expenses and they really rack up. You know, they the, really do. The GP um, practical exam, the CSA, that's uh, I paid just recently £1,352 for that, Yeah. Uh, for the privilege of doing that exam. But you can um, knock 40% off that by... And you can take, yeah, that's it. You can get 40% back. So well worth uh, making the claim, definitely. And well worth um, keeping those receipts so you can do it. And easily. if you haven't listened to our tax um, reclaim podcast, because um, it's something unique that we have our guide and um, it's been super popular. And I'm sure, you know, lots of you are sharing it with your colleagues because we're all in this together. So um, just tell your colleagues about that guide if uh, if they're not aware and help them all out. Uh, OK, Um uh, next point for me, I've totally lost count where we are. Is this number seven, eight? Um, so this will be number eight for you. Luckily, we've got an accountant in the house. Keep, keep <laughs> doing the maths. Keeping the maths. That's it. Um, income protection. So if you get ill, 
uh, and cannot work for any reason uh, and could not afford to pay your bills or your expenses or live, uh, then you need to think about protecting that income. So you can protect it with something called income protection. There's also something slightly different called critical illness cover. Uh, and there's also obviously life insurance. So we get into detail on this um, in our blog and we got some great resources on this again in the ebook. So check those out. But I think there's two main things for me here is one, definitely think about whether or not you need it. Um, it's an absolutely fundamental part of your financial plan, like good financial health, because you know, you've know you worked hard to become a doctor and that is an asset that you need to protect and insure. The second thing is um, slightly slightly more complicated really. There's, there's two types of financial, so you get your income protection from a financial advisor and there's two types of financial advisors, broadly speaking. There's independent financial advisors and they can advise you on the whole market. So if you use an independent financial advisor, they will search the whole market and find the best policy for you, okay? And on Medics Money, we only use independent financial advisors and they all specialize in Medics. Now, there's also restricted financial advisors and restricted financial advisors search a limited section of the market. Um, so you may not get the best deal. And slightly annoyingly, and one of the reasons why we felt compelled to start Medics Money is that the largest financial advice firms that target doctors are restricted advisors. So in the ebook, we go through a case study where using an independent financial advisor saved two of our colleagues over 10,000 pounds in fees. Have a good read of that um, because understanding how the financial advice industry works is absolutely fundamental. And the distinction between independent and restricted is especially important for doctors because the market is dominated by a restricted advisor, which makes no sense to us. And part of the reason why we started Medics Money. I probably shouldn't say any more about that because um, we don't have a legal team and we're not naming names, but just think about it in those terms we only recommend independent financial advisors for a very good reason yeah. read the ebook the case study in there is frankly scary um, and every doctor who's gonna think about getting protection uh, needs to understand the motives of the financial advice industry yep yeah, yeah really really good point there absolutely uh, and that ebook as you know, you've said many times it's completely free just you know go and go and download that from our, our website it's got loads of um, top tips in there the whole of our website is completely yeah, free for doctors free. to use yeah. so you can read all our content uh you can also find uh, a financial advisor that matches your requirements and find an accountant that matches your requirements and also find a mortgage advisor if you're thinking about buying a house that understands doctors totally free all of those advisors I've been verified by us. Um, and if you listen to our very first episode, you'll find out why we started Medics Money. But essentially, we we were recommending people to our friends and friends of friends. And the ethos behind Medics Money continues to be to connect our colleagues, you guys, with the very best advisors in the business and keep them away from not so good advisors, shall we say. Absolutely. And, you know, my kind of last point is, is related to that, is to do with accountants. Now, um, as an F1, okay, you don't need to get an accountant right now okay unless there's something something else going on you know um and that may be the case for some some of you um but most of you guys you know you would you you don't need to get an accountant right now okay so you can you can check your pay slips and your tax code yourself you can use our resources to do that you can make your claim for expenses yourself you can again use our resources our free guide to do that okay you don't need to get an accountant right now all right um but consider that you might almost well you almost certainly will need an accountant down the line okay so not as an f1 
probably not as an F2 almost certainly. Um, but going forward after that, you may want to consider getting an accountant, okay? For a whole host of reasons. Maybe uh, you're gonna do an F3 year and you're gonna locum. Maybe you want to decide whether to set up a company down the line. Maybe you want some help completing a tax return, okay? So all the, for these reasons, um, and more, you know, you probably will need an accountant down the line, okay? And, and as we will say, you know, a good accountant should save you more money than they cost you, okay? So one of the big barriers is, is how much will they cost me, but actually they should save you more money than, than you spend on them. Um, and we recommend only the best, the specialist medical accountants, okay? Um, and like Tommy just said about the IFAs, uh, the Independent Financial Advisors, we have um, been vetting lots of um, excellent specialist medical, medical accountants. If you do down the line need, need an accountant, you can go to our website and you can find one there, okay? Let's say we only use the, the best, the specialist medical accountants out there. Um, but bear in mind right now, you don't need, need an accountant, okay? Being really honest right now, you do, most of you will not need an accountant, but going forward, you know, it's something definitely to think about, okay? They'll, they'll save you more money than they cost you. I mean, the resources on Medics Money that we provide for free actually make it less likely that you'll need an accountant. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, because, you know, we're using, you're, you're putting your knowledge down into these guides. Mm. So you're getting the benefit of using an accountant, but you're not having to pay for it using our free guides, our tax code blog. Um, but at some point in your career, you will benefit from an accountant. In my experience, and actually what I did as well, is doctors just leave it too late because we don't know how much it's going to cost. We don't know if they're good. Um, so Medics Money helps you overcome those hurdles. But actually, paradoxically, Medics Money makes it less likely that you'll need to use an accountant. Um, okay, I think the final point that I want to finish with um, is investments. Now, you might think that it seems crazy to start talking about investing money, especially if you've got a load of debt. And to a certain extent, I would agree with that. But unless you want to work every single day uh, of your of your career as a doctor at the coalface until your retirement age, which is likely uh, going to be 68 and crucially is tied to state retirement age for most of you now who are listening to this because you'll be in the 2015 pension section. So if state retirement age goes up, so does your NHS retirement age. If you don't want to do that, um, then you're going to need some kind of alternative plan. And investing is a way to do that. In the ebook, I guide you very briefly through investing. And we have some amazing resources coming up soon with investing, including an investment webinar. So if you're not on Medics Money, uh, you need to get on Medics Money and you'll get invited to our free investment webinar. Um, but uh, I think investing is a way to grow your wealth um, with minimal effort and as I said, if you don't want to spend every single day at the coalface being a doctor, uh, you're going to need some kind of backup plan. And investments has been that for me. It may be it for you. Uh, so just have a think about it. And I think that brings us to the end of our 10 yep. top tips that's for ten of them. F1 finances. Yeah, that's it. Give me some parting wisdom, um, Ed. One main thing. So the main thing, I guess, you, you know, banging on about it all over again, but um, just keep any documents you get from uh, about pay slips, anything to do with your pay or pension, just keep them somewhere safe, okay? And get on that personal tax account so you can see what HMRC think they know about you, okay? Because it's often wrong. So get on there and check it, okay? And my parting tip is, you know, download the ebook, medicsmoney.co.uk forward slash ebook, totally free. But, you know, why? Because I think you need to know about your finances. If you know about the finances and have the knowledge, then you can make, you know, empowered financial decisions. When we consent a patient for a procedure, we tell them all the pros, all the cons, you know, that is part of the valid consent process. 
and you need to get valid consent for your finances. And in order to do that, you're going to have to do a bit of reading. And the ebook is the first step in that. And all of our other resources, um, podcasts and webinars uh, are other steps to do that. So yeah, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends about it. And as I say, you're all in this together. If you work together uh, with your F1 colleagues, your F1 year will be much better. And if you can all help each other with their finances, then that's great. You know, someone contacted me or several people contacted me on Twitter the other day to say that um, they've been using our resources. So they were a CT2, I think. And they had been charged with delivering a teaching session to the new F1s. And they used uh, some of the resources on Medic's Money uh, to deliver a financial session. So, Okay, very good. Because they were to get any sort of teaching at all at medical school or beyond on finances. Yeah, I mean, you get plenty of salespeople pitching uh, income protection at you, which we've already talked about and we won't go over again. But yeah, some unbiased financial education from somebody who knows what they're talking about is incredibly rare at medical school, in my experience. Yeah. And if you are running a medical school and you want to use some of our resources or you want us to do a presentation, just get in touch because uh, we are all in this together. All right. Look forward to catching up with you on our next episode and enjoy your F1 years. It's challenging, but it's great. And um, good luck. Yeah. Enjoy, guys. Thanks for listening. Take care.